Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with you today to take your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about from a biblical perspective. If you'd like prayer for anything, that's what we're here to do. So the vision of the show is to give you kind of a, a direct line to a pastor every day of the week, every uh, day during the work week, and give you a direct line to a pastor where you can ask your questions, you can receive prayer. And so I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. Once again, the number to call with your questions and prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. I also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and those who are tuning in on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from. Just a reminder, those of you listening on Grace FM here in Colorado and Wyoming, you are hearing this program live. So do give us a call. You're, you're hearing this show um, live today. Those of you tuning in, though, on Hope FM and Truth FM, we want to remind you that you're hearing this show on a one-week delay. But what that means for you is that we still want you to call in. We'd still love to have you call in with your questions and your prayer requests. And then you guys will have a unique opportunity where you will be able to tune in a week later after your call. And you'll be able to hear yourself on the radio one week from then. And that is actually a really cool opportunity because what you can do is that you can invite somebody you know to tune in and say, Hey, I'm going to be on the radio at this time on this station. It'd be awesome if you tuned in and listened to me. And what that it can do is that can be a way for you to introduce them to, you know, great, solid Bible teaching over the radio. Maybe they've never tuned into the station before, and that'll be their introduction to it. So we'd love it if you'd help us get the word out either that way or any other way about Grace FM. We also want to greet those who are listening uh, online. We have more and more of you who are tuning in online through the mobile app and through the website. Um, you guys are hearing the show live as well, and we have a really great app, so if you don't yet have it on your phone, that'd definitely be one to go ahead and get, even right now if you're in a place where you can do that. Just pull out your phone and uh, punch in Grace FM just in the search bar, and it will come up as one word. So you type it in as one word, no spaces, Grace FM, and it'll come up, and you can download that and put it onto your phone, your tablet whatever mobile device you use. You can also look at it on your uh, laptop or desktop by just going in your browser to gracefm.com and you can listen live in there as well. And it looks like I got a map of some people who are tuning in. We have a lot of people who tune in for this program specifically. It looks like we got some listeners up in the Pacific Northwest, 
up and down here, um, the front range of the Rockies, of course, the Midwest, down in Texas, uh, Chicagoland area, as well as the East Coast. It looks like we have international listeners as well from South Africa and Chernivtsi, Ukraine. So we are so glad to have you guys. Welcome to the program. Remember, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We want to hear from you. We want to pray for you. We want to hopefully answer some of those questions you have as you've been reading your Bible. Maybe some things have come up that you're unsure about or you'd like clarity on. That's what this show is all about. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Well, I'll give you a few words about myself as we're waiting for those calls to come in. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here on the show every Friday here on Calvary Live. Like I said, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this city, just up the road from Boulder. And uh, we recently moved. We moved, uh, well, it's it's going on a couple months now that we've moved, but we've only been open for services since June. But one of the great benefits of this new location we're in is that we are able to be open for services. And so we'd love to have you join us at our new location. Come check it out. Uh, it's it's big. It's uh, something we've been praying for and working on for a long time. We're excited to have this facility and we're excited how God's going to use it for his glory over the next several years. And so we'd love to have you come join us. You can join us in person or online. And if you're going to join us online, the way to do that is by going to our website, whitefieldschurch.com. So you can join us in person and online. Online is whitefieldschurch.com. Both of our services are live on Sunday morning, online and in person, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., two services. And if you're going to join us in person, the address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. And what that 80504 means is that we are on the east side of Longmont. So we are just east of County Line Road on Ken Pratt Boulevard. So Ken Pratt Boulevard is Highway 119. It's one of the big thoroughfares here in town. And so we are right on Highway 119, just east of County Line Road. We're directly across the street from Sandstone Ranch Community Park, the sports center there with the soccer fields and the skate park. We're directly to the north, on the north side of that. Sandstone Ranch is on the south side of 119. And uh, even from my office window right now, I'm just looking right out at Sandstone Ranch, and I'm looking out over the Flatirons. Today's a bit hazy over the Flatirons. We have big fires going on in western Colorado, so we, we should pray for that as well as the show goes on as, uh, as calls are coming in. But uh, we'd love to have you join us again in person and online. If you're coming in person, bring your mask. We're social distancing. We're keeping all the regulations. But the good news is that with this new facility we have, it's large enough where we're able to have uh, services and we're able to bring people in, study the word together, praise the Lord together. It's been really good. So join us 9 and 11 a.m. Sunday morning online at whitefieldschurch.com. And in person at 2950 Colorful Avenue here in Longmont. We'd love to have you join us. You can also hear me every weekday. I am on here on Grace FM. We have a show called Life in the Field, which are our sermons cut for the radio. And those air at 2.30 p.m. every weekday here on Grace FM. Let's go to our first caller, Grace in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Grace. Welcome to the program. Grace, must have lost you. 
Okay. Well, it looks like Grace isn't here. Um, well, it looks like uh, Grace had um, an exhortation for us. She had a son who um, did some bad things in a gang as a teenager and wanted to talk about that. Grace, if you're still listening, feel free to call back. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll just give you the numbers to call again, and we'll go over to our text line. We've had a few texts come in. So the text line is uh, 720-336-0897. If you want to text us, that's 720-336-0897. Or you can also call us, 303-690-3000. With that, we have all open lines, so we'd love to hear from you, take your calls, answer your questions. And um, let's go to our text line. We have one text that came in when someone says, Hi, I'm John from Greeley. Could you please tell me about Wiccans, what it is, and what they believe? Hey, John, glad to have your question. So Wiccan would fall under um, a, what we would call animism. And animism is basically a belief in, um, you know, worshiping nature. And so there's been a lot of animistic religions over the years. You know, it's a type of paganism. And, um, you know, it's become quite popular, quite faddish. I mean, even when I was in high school, I remember uh, there being Wiccan uh, people in the church. You know, it's kind of a, a Western form of animism, paganism. And, um, you know, they're, they're making, they're doing rituals to, um, you know, worship the earth and worship these things. So it, it looks like Wiccanism is what it's called duotheistic, which means that they're worshiping and or working with a goddess and a god. So they have a god and a goddess, sometimes viewed as the triple goddesses. Uh, it's different forms. It looks like uh, Wiccanism is kind of a, a broad term that refers to um, different forms of a modern paganistic religion. And so, you know, here's what we're looking at. When we look at the Old Testament, we see a lot of paganism. And what we see through that paganism is, is this. I'm, we're currently studying 1 Kings in our studies on Sunday mornings here at our church. And at first, in 1 Kings, we see that, that the people of God have turned away into different forms of paganism. But here's what seems to be the kind of uniting factor in all the different forms of paganism that we see in the Bible and I would say even the kinds of paganism that we see today is that all paganism, um, you know, it's not that they're worshiping things that don't exist, right? So, so maybe they're gods. Like, let's look at the god Baal. Did Baal really exist? Well, Baal himself as an entity did not exist, but we can say that the worship of Baal was worshiping things which did in fact exist. In, in Baal's case, what people were worshiping was what Baal represented. See, Baal was the god of the weather. And if you had good weather and you were a farmer, well, then that would mean that you would be prosperous. It would mean that you would have uh, water for your crops and you'd have sunshine when you needed sunshine to help your crops grow. In other words, the more you had good weather, the more you would have prosperity and security and success and all the things that go along with it. And so people, when they worshipped Baal, they were worshipping... In the one sense, they were worshiping a God who didn't actually exist. But on the other hand, they were worshiping things and idolizing things which did in fact exist, right? Success, um, security. And the same is true when you look at Asherah, who was the other big goddess they were worshiping back in, in that time, the pagan goddess. And Asherah was the goddess of fertility, the goddess of sensual pleasure. 
And so while Asherah as an entity did not exist, we can say that those other things they were worshiping absolutely did exist. Not only did they exist back then, but they exist now. And not only did people worship them back then under the auspices of worshiping, you know, these pagan deities who had these different names, um, but people worship those same things today. We just don't have a pagan name attached to it. Now, you could also say that while those gods and goddesses did not actually exist, right, there's only one true and living God, on the other hand, we can say that there are certainly uh, demonic influences and powers who are promoting and encouraging these forms of idolatry because invariably these things turn our hearts away from God. This is something we see there in First Kings. It seems that the way that they got into the worship of Baal was that they said, oh, you know, I've got this neighbor, he's a pagan, and you know, or the neighboring country, they're pagans, they pray to Baal, and it seems to be working for them. Why not just, so to say, hedge our bets, and we'll pray to everything, and you know, that'll, you know, wh why, why limit yourself to just one God when you know there's other people they believe different things? Maybe we should worship their God too and see if it works. So it's a kind of pragmatist approach to it, and what happened invariably is that. The people, as they started saying, well, you know, what would it hurt to do this also, right? Not necessarily at first turning their backs fully on God, but as they did that also, it always turned their hearts away from God in the end. So the other thing about um, idolatry, you know, when we look into it, it's a way of controlling. It's the, it's the idea that you can control your destiny apart from God. Because think about this, you know, if you're worshiping Baal, then what you're trying to do is you're trying to control the weather apart from having to depend on God to give you weather. You know, if you're, if you're worshiping Asherah, you're trying to control fertility, which is especially important in the ancient world. You're trying to control that apart from dependence on God and surrender to the will of God. And I would say the same thing in any kind of uh, pagan religion nowadays. And actually, I would say that this actually goes to every religion that's not based on the grace of God, which would literally be every religion except for, of course, believing in Jesus and, and Christianity and the, the way of truth. So it's all about controlling through your actions, your surroundings, your situation, getting what you want apart from surrender to and dependence upon God. You know, make these sacrifices, do these things, and then you will get what you want. And there's a pagan deity who exists to give you everything that you want, right? Whether that's power, success, good weather, uh, fertility, sensual pleasure, all of those things. So um, the final thing I'll tell you about this idolatry is that idolatry is also, it is a kind of what you might call a spiritual addiction because it does the same things to you that addiction does. It makes you a slave to that thing. You know, you look at the worship of Baal and the worship of Molech in the Old Testament. And these, again, these, the worship of these things represented the worship of real things that people still worship today. But look at the ways that they were worshipped. Look at the things that these gods demanded of them. They demanded them to cut themselves. They demanded them to, you know, mutilate themselves and to, in many cases, sacrifice children on an altar. And what it's doing is what is, it's making you a slave. It's dehumanizing you. It's taking from you rather than giving to you. 
And so these are all ways that you can recognize idolatry in your life, but they're different things that idolatry does. So what is Wiccanism? It's a modern form, a Western form of um, paganism that still exists today and has become somewhat you know, faddish in our day and age. So let's go to our next caller. Let me give you the numbers to call. We've got two open lines right now, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to George in Denver, Colorado. Hi, George. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you doing? Doing great. What's up? Awesome. Uh, my question is uh, from Genesis, when uh, Adam and Eve, Oh, it's more about the snake. I was wondering why God uh, cursed the snake. If the snake had, I, I believe he was just there, and then the devil just possessed the, the snake. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's a great question. You know, was the, was the snake just an innocent bystander who ended up getting cursed? And what a bummer that he should have had legs, but now he doesn't because Satan decided to... Um, to inhabit him or something like that yeah that's a that's a good question i think the answer is simply this that somehow the okay well, let's put it this way satan inhabits this snake speaks through it the people do that and the snake gets cursed i would say look there are ways in which all of us uh, were cursed as a result of what happened there at the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that none of us chose and and it you know any of us could look at that and say hey wh how is it fair that i have to suffer a curse because of something that somebody else did right i mean you and i could say that ourselves couldn't we that look adam and eve sinned why am i the one who has to um bear the brunt of that you know so for example a, a person born with some sort of disability a person born with some kind of health condition uh a person born you know, with whatever, I don't know, deformity, so, something like this, that we would say that that is a result of the curse. And yet they themselves, let's say a small child, they themselves have not yet done anything in order to bring that curse upon themselves. Rather, they simply inherited it. And so I would say, you know, it isn't to say that this is somehow vindictive against the snake as an animal. But this is part of the fallenness of the curse, that it is a bummer and it's bad. And there are a lot of expressions of the badness and I guess you could say um, manifestations of the curse in ways that it plays out. And this is one of them. But the good news is that God is doing a work of redemption. And that work of redemption is going to affect not only human beings, but the environment and I believe animals themselves as well so i think there's hope for the snake that he's going to get his legs back <laughs> okay awesome okay great cool good question well, george thanks for calling in hey thank you for answering all right you bet god bless bye-bye you're listening to calvary live this is nick katie from whitefields community church in longmont colorado taking your calls and texts live on the air we've got two open lines give us a call with your questions about the bible or your prayer requests 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Tyler in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Tyler. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, so my uh, my question is about the uh, 
uh, the Trinity and uh, with Jesus being fully God and fully man, uh, I've learned that the Trinity is He's, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that He's fully God, fully man here on earth. I've been chatting with a guy at work about that, and he says he believes in the Trinity, but he also says that uh, and believes that Jesus was separated from God to be fully man here on earth to to be tempted, he couldn't be God, so he was tempted at all points, would have having to be fully man. And he also mentioned that I, uh, another thing to me today about being on the cross. He said, you know, um, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So he was referring to, you know, Jesus would have, or uh, the God would have fully left Jesus on the cross by himself. He would have separated himself from him. Um, but I've talked with my pastor at church, too, about it, and, and he's brought up a couple verses to help me with knowing that Jesus was still God here on earth, and uh, and I still would believe that. And uh, But with talking with this guy, it just kind of had me uh, looking more into things and, and trying to back it up more and get him to uh, follow that Jesus was still fully God, fully man, but I just wanted another opinion on it, I guess, uh, with listening to the show. I figured it'd be a, uh, you'd be a good person to ask on your opinion. Yeah, thanks. So uh, here's where I would go, uh, which I would point you to the Athanasian Creed. So the Athanasian Creed, um, was a creed that came about, actually it's, it's named after Athanasius, but it's because this is something Athanasius cared a lot about. Athanasius was an early church father, uh, years 293 to 373. And this creed came about later on when they were trying to, what's called codify or set in stone, what it is that Christians believe about the Trinity. And so there was a series of church councils, as you've probably heard, you know, you've heard of probably Nicaea. Um, there are a few others, like the Council of Chalcedon. That's one that Athanasius himself was involved in. But uh, later on, there was a kind of, you know, a gathering of church leaders in the early church who said, okay, we need to write down, you know, a statement about what it is that we believe about the Trinity based on the Bible. And so here's what the very famously the first paragraph of the Athanasian Creed says. And I think it's a great summary. And then we'll, we'll go and look at some scriptures in a second. But uh, here is uh, what it says. This is the universal Christian faith. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither blending the persons nor dividing their essence. Okay, so these, in, if you look at the history of how uh, the doctrine of the Trinity was kind of uh, discussed in the early church, what you find is that these were the two most important words. And this is how they're translated in English. They were having these discussions in Greek. But the one word is the word essence, and the other word is the word uh, person. And so that's really important for the discussion and for what your friend is asking. Because the essence, so they are all God in essence. So it, that's going to go on in just a second. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But they are all separate as persons. So here's what it says. For the person of the Father is a distinct person. The person of the Son is a distinct person. The person of the Holy Spirit is a distinct person. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. What qualities the Father has, the Son has, and the Holy Spirit has. So then it goes on to, to say this. And I would just say, definitely look up the Athanasian Creed 
and read it, it's a great summary. Um, and it's going to say this, you know, sim- the Father is almighty and the Son is almighty. The Holy Spirit is almighty. Yet they, there are not three almighty beings. There is one almighty being. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yet there are not three gods. There is one God. And it, it goes on. But uh, I find that to be just a really clear statement of what we mean when we talk about the Trinity. And so one of the really important verses is, that you're going to want to look at is going to be in Philippians chapter 2, which deals with this idea of how the Son relates to the Father. And it's the idea of, you know, your friend asked, how could it be that Jesus suffers and says that God forsakes him well he says the father forsakes him right so there's this understanding that the three are unique persons and yet they are all god and and of course we have nothing that we can compare this to and say oh well it's like this and actually all of the different uh attempts to do that all fall short you know there's all these attempts out there like oh it's kind of like water that can be you know a solid liquid and a gas it's kind of like an egg that has a shell and a white and a yolk but but all of these fall short of describing what we're actually talking about when we talk about the trinity and and i think that's actually a great proof of that this is an actual biblical belief because here's what's happened is that we've looked at the bible and we've said that the Bible describes something for which we have no earthly parallel, no, no, nothing that we could possibly compare it to, or you know, uh, explain it by. So we just have to go out of our way to say, well, here's what it is. They are three separate persons, but they are the same being, if that makes sense. And so there, in Philippians chapter two, there's this very famous statement that talks about how Jesus. Uh, It says, verse 6, well, I'll start in verse 5. Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped or taken hold of, right? But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And so we see this interplay between the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son are different persons, yet they are one and the same being. And the Father sends the Son on a mission. Then the the Father and the Son together send the Spirit. The Spirit glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Son submits to the Father. The Father then glorifies the Son. And you see this beautiful interplay between them, which helps us understand they're three separate beings. But what this verse is also telling us about Jesus' deity is that Jesus remained God and at the same time set aside, the best way to describe it is setting aside his divine privileges. So this is how it's possible for Jesus to not know things that the Father knows, at least while he's on earth. It's because during his time on earth, and the word that's used there, emptied himself, it's called kenosis, right? He emptied himself, not of his divine attributes, but he emptied himself of his divine privileges. And that's a really big difference. But that's how it is that Jesus did all the things he did here on earth. And here's what's so crazy, is that this means that Jesus, when we, when we see Jesus doing things on earth, we say, okay, was he able to do those things because 
he's God and I'm not. But if he emptied himself of his divine privileges, and that means that the things he did here on earth, he did by the power of the Spirit, independence upon the Father, which is absolutely mind-blowing, but also really challenging for us, right? Because it says, and therefore he's calling me. Jesus even told his disciples, you will do greater things than this. We are empowered by the same Spirit and called by the same Father. So uh, we are going to our break right now. I'd love to hear any... any um, comments you have back on that tyler if you want to hold through the break but right now i need to go to our break hey we've come up on our mid-show break give us a call we've got one open line 303-690-3000 we'll be right back in two minutes time with calvary live Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to hopefully answer some questions you have as you've been reading your Bible. Maybe there's some things that you'd like clarity on. That's what this show is here to do. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Right before the break, we were talking to Tyler and Tyler and I were talking about the Trinity. So Tyler, welcome back. Thanks for holding. Um, yes. So Tyler, I kind of finished my thoughts right before the break. I wanted to hear any kind of follow-up questions or anything you needed clarity on. Um, I mean, you did a good job with uh, helping me understand um, a little bit more, better perspective of it. Um, um, I guess uh, another thought uh, would be that if 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 Jesus if he was if he was suffering as 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 we would at all points being tempted, um, I understand. You know, we're saying that he's still he's still God um, from from the understanding that we're looking at it as. But the way my my buddy was describing it is that you know he didn't think he really he could be in the flesh. You know, maybe you know. I guess he's thinking that there's a a separate a separation of of God. I mean, and I understand. You know, we're talking about three different persons, but still being as God. But if God, you know, like I said, he was saying he couldn't be tempted at all. And I know there's I know there's the, the verse that uh, that says that God uh, that he he wouldn't tempt us with like evil to sin. And he, he, I know there's a verse where uh, with Abraham, he tempted him um, by sac- with sacrificing his son Isaac, but temptation has two different meanings behind it as far as like it being a test or attempting to sin. Right. Um, so I just... Uh, yeah, so to answer your question, though, I, I think here's kind of maybe the presupposition, and, and that's this, that um, your friend is perhaps thinking that in order for Jesus to have truly been tempted he had to let's say want to do that thing 
and isn't the desire to do something evil or sinful isn't that in itself a form of fallenness right yeah and and so i think we can say that that that's actually a really important question because it helps us to differentiate between whether it is wrong to be tempted or whether it is wrong to act upon that temptation and give in to sin and so this is the an issue that comes up let's say with um certain sexual desires like for example with homosexuality even heterosexuality that differs or differs or diverges from um from the biblical standard and and so you know some people would say even having the desire to do those things is different so let's say you have a desire for someone who's not your spouse didn't jesus say that that's a sin well he said having lust in your heart so it's the difference between having a desire that you don't necessarily choose and then what you do with that right so if you um let's say what is the word i'm looking for you entertain that desire that's different so having having a desire lustfully for someone in a moment is not a sin but entertaining that right fantasizing taking it you know letting it play out in your mind holding yeah. on to it rather than letting it go Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. And so that would be the difference, right? It's like, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. In the same way, you can't necessarily stop, right, these spiritual attacks that come against your mind, these thoughts that might pop into your head, which aren't from the Lord, and they're influenced or manipulated by the enemy, and yet you can choose not to entertain them, not to let them run wild, right? You can choose to take those thoughts captive for Christ. So yeah. it's an important distinction to say, okay, is it a sin to be tempted? Is it a sign of fallenness? Well, we'd say, no, it's a sign of humanity. But what you do with that sin, whether you act on it or whether you entertain it, or sorry, what, it, what you do with that temptation, whether you act on it or entertain it, that is itself what the determines yeah. sin and that it's important to understand what the word sin means in in greek it's the word hamartia and hamartia means to miss the mark it means to you know to not hit the center so um i hope that makes sense it, it, it literally means uncleanness as well and so there, there's so much that goes into that but i think that that's really the issue was jesus tempted well yes he was is it a sin to be tempted no, not initially, but if you entertain that temptation, then that can itself be sinful. That makes sense, too. And so we, what we know about Jesus is that he did not entertain those thoughts. Yeah, yeah, he turned them away. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for calling right, in, cool. and God bless you. Yes, God bless you too, Nick. Thanks a lot. All right, bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got one open line. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Jesse in Hartzell, Colorado. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the program. Um, hi. Um, how are you? I'm doing how great. Are doing? How are you? I'm doing good, too. Good. Good to have you call in. Did you have a question? Yes. Um, does God sleep? 
So the answer to that would be that God does not sleep, but God does sometimes rest. So uh, there's a psalm. Maybe you write this down and, and read it later. It's Psalm 121. So Psalm 121. And it says that God does not sleep. God does not slumber, but that he's watching over us all the time and protecting us. And that's really good news. I would tell you this, and here's why. Because, you know, the world is round. And as the world is spinning, that means it's always daytime somewhere in the world. And so it's really good news that God doesn't sleep because then he'd be sleeping either when I'm having my daytime or when you're having your daytime or when somebody on the other side of the world's having their daytime. But it does say that in some cases God rests and that just means that God ceases or stops doing some work that he was doing. Like, for example, on the seventh day of creation, if you remember, God created everything and on the seventh day he rested but he doesn't sleep. Yeah, that's what I was worried, questioning about, because on the seventh day, God rested. So that's why we thought he would sleep. Ah, I see. Yeah, I would say that God didn't sleep, but here's an interesting thing to think about, too, is that Jesus, when he was on earth, he did sleep because he was fully human. And so as having a human body, he needed to sleep. So Jesus slept when he was on earth, but God, as in the Father and the, the Spirit of God, don't sleep. And that's good news for us. Okay. Well, thanks, nice Jesse. Nice talking to you. Really appreciate your call. It's nice talking to you, too. You have a great afternoon. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here taking your calls and texts, uh, answering your questions about the Bible. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you've been reading your Bible. Maybe you're like our last caller there, um, Jesse, who, you know, was reading the Bible and had a question and wanted some clarity on it. That's what we're here to do. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Joseph in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you very much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So uh, I apologize. I do not have the Bible verse memorized, but the Apostle Paul was uh, saying that you know we Christians will judge angels. So are those fallen angels or angels of heaven? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me just pull up that verse. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Here's what it says. He's talking about, by the way, that we, we, you know, can't Christians, you know, figure out some of their own disputes amongst each other without taking each other to court, because apparently this is what was happening at the time. And he says, do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to to this life. So here's here's my understanding on this. I could be wrong and I'm going to do a little research too while I am writing or while I'm talking to you. And it would be that he is speaking of fallen angels. And the reason for that is because it would seem to me that the angels who are not fallen have not sinned. Otherwise they would not be allowed in the presence of God. So we read about several angels in the Bible who say, you know, Gabriel says, 
My name is Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And so we see, like in Revelation, we see in Isaiah, we see that there are these angels who are around the throne of God. And we know that in God's presence there cannot be sin. So that would indicate to me that what we're talking about here is actually the judging of fallen angels who have rebelled in the past. And here's the other thing, you know, some people have asked, you know, do angels have a fallen nature like we have a fallen nature because of the curse of sin and death? My answer to that is, I don't believe so. Um, so I don't believe so. The idea of judging angels, I'm just looking over it here. Yeah, here's a commentator. He says this. This does not mean we will sit in judgment of faithful angels as if we could penalize them for letting us down or not being there for us when we needed them, but we, we will have part in judging fallen or evil angels. So there's the answer. I would agree with that. It just seems to line up with the rest of what Scripture says as well. That's a very good uh, explanation. And now also I have a, if you will, a prayer request for myself. Sure. So right now I'm unemployed, but uh, I do have some possible job prospects. So if I get more than one offer, I pray for Holy Spirit guidance to select the correct job offer. So. Okay, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Joseph. Thank you, Lord, that he's seeking you. He's seeking your will, and he's seeking, Lord, for you to give him revelation about which direction to go with the job. You know that a job can be such an important part of our lives. And so, Lord, we pray for Joseph that if he gets more than one job offer, Lord, would you please make it clear to him which one he should take just by your spirit, Lord. We pray that he would be able to hear your voice and to differentiate it from his own thoughts or inclinations from the voices and opinions of other people that he's heard. And so we ask, Lord, that you would make it really clear to him and that you would provide for him a great job. But a job that not only provides him with money, but provides him the opportunity to serve others and to do your work through his work. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, you sir. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Before we go to our next caller, let me just take the opportunity to uh, invite you. If you are in the northern Colorado area, I'd love to invite you to our church this Sunday, both in person and online. So if you want to join in person, it doesn't matter where you're located because of the beauty of the internet you can tune in online join us for church online this sunday at 9 and 11 a.m anywhere in the world go to our website whitefieldschurch.com at 9 or 11 and our service will be playing there on our website uh, live you'll be able to watch it there live and you can also join us on youtube youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch and facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch and if you are local here in boulder county weld county larimer county this this area of uh kind of central northern colorado boulder um, and longmont area we'd love to have you join us in person 2950 colorful avenue longmont colorado 80504 just east of county line road and highway 119 which is ken pratt boulevard we're actually right on Ken Pratt Boulevard on the north side. We'd love to have you join us. Bring your mask. We're social distancing, following all the rules, but we're so glad that we're able to be open, and we'd love to have you join us. So that's 9 and 11 a.m. this coming Sunday, in person and online. Check us out for more directions and all that good stuff at whitefieldschurch.com.
www.evanincolumbia.com. Okay, let's go to our next caller, Evan in Columbia, Maryland. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the program. Hi. Yes, sir. Um, thank you for taking my question. Um, I have a question that's related to the origin of Christianity um, in terms of, uh, I'm not sure if I should use the word lineage, but um, in terms of Christianity having origins in the Middle East and then um, somehow becoming Catholicism as it, reaches, as it reached Europe and then the offshoot of the Protestant religions. Um, in terms of teaching children about the origins of, of Christianity, uh, what suggestions do you have? Yeah, it's a great, great question, and I'm not sure that there, I'm not sure that I know of great resources for teaching church history to kids. It would probably depend on the age of the kids. Do you mind me asking what age group you have in mind? Um, yes, these are actually high school kids. Oh, okay. So definitely a little bit more. You know, there are some really good books out there. Um, my favorite book on church history is called From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya which is two words. That's the old name for Indonesia. It's part of Indonesia. So from Jerusalem to Irian Jaya, and it's by a woman named Ruth something. I'm forgetting her last name. But I like that uh, history of Christianity because it follows the spread of Christianity through missions and how Christianity spread through missions. So as you can imagine, just like with any history, there's a lot of ways to dice it and things to emphasize and things like that. Uh, I find that to be a really good book. There's also just some some really uh, basic materials out there that you can get that, that will really give you a good breakdown of the history of Christianity. Um, you know what? There's actually a really good resource if you're willing to uh, maybe watch some lectures, like a series of, of lectures. I think there's eight of them about an hour long each. And so there's some good time investment there, but I think that it would be really worth it. And that would be on a website called EnduringWord.com. EnduringWord.com. The man who does them, his name is David Guzik, and he has a series of you know, videos there that he's done. And I believe it's eight, where he kind of goes through different eras of the history of Christianity, starting from Jesus and the Apostles and going up to our modern age. And so, you know, even if you just chose a couple of those that you're particularly interested in, I think that would be really beneficial for you. But to, to kind of give you a breakdown of what, what you were talking about there, you know, the way that Christianity spread is that, yes, you're right, it absolutely began in the Middle East, began with Jesus and the disciples, but it very quickly turned into an international movement. And that was very uncommon for that time. You know, the, the really common thing at that time was for every tribe, even even down to the case of like uh, clans within tribes, would have their own religions. And so the, the, the way that the Roman Empire kind of held all these diverse people together was that they had this kind of rule that said, hey, nobody, you know, you can believe whatever you want. This is what we call today pluralism, right? You can have pluralistic society. Everybody can believe whatever they want, but the one thing that you're not allowed to do is to come and say that your way is the right way for other people. And so when Christianity came out, this was absolutely revolutionary because that's exactly what they said. They said, no, look, this God we believe in, he's not just the God of the Jews. He's not just the God of these certain 
group of people over here. No, he's the God of everybody. He created everybody and he sent Jesus not just to be the savior of this tribe, clan, or nation. He sent Jesus to be the savior of the entire world. And that uh, led Christians to being persecuted, but it also led to this great missionary movement because if you really believe what the Bible says and what Jesus himself said, that he is the savior of the whole world, that apart from him you cannot come to God and you cannot have salvation, well then that would put an impetus on you, wouldn't it, to make sure that everyone you know and care about and even people who you don't know personally but you have a concern for them, that they hear this good news and that they, that they believe it. And so this started this huge missionary movement that within the first few decades of the Christian uh, movement, I guess, being officially begun on the day of Pentecost, you know, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, that uh, this huge missionary movement went out and it literally went in all directions. But where it took off the most was within the Roman Empire because of the political climate in the Roman Empire, which kind of created a, a perfect setting or an incubator for Christianity to grow. So as that happened, you know, that's how Christianity spread throughout the world. You know, and you could think of it this way, that Rome at the time was a million people. And if you consider a million people, it was the largest city in the world. You know, most other cities in the world, the next biggest cities were maybe 100,000 people. So here you have this massive city that controls the known world. And so they went there because the idea was that Rome is the heart of the empire. And like a heart, it draws in blood and pushes it out, right? And so all roads lead to Rome. And so they thought, you know, if we could have a strong Christian movement based out of Rome, then we could reach the entire world. So it was really a strategic effort. And we see this, it wasn't like Christianity later moved to Europe. No, it, it was in the time of the apostles, Peter, Paul, they're moving to Rome. They're wanting to get there so they can start a missionary movement out of that city just because of the nature of Rome at that time as the largest city in the world. So they go there, Christianity spreads. And what happened over time is that um, Rome was divided during the time of Constantine, right? You had the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire. It was divided linguistically as well. And then, and I'll make this really brief, but what happened is that because of political things that took place and because of kind of politics within the church, right? The, later on, the bishop of Rome began to say that he was in charge of the entire church, where up until that point, the way the church had functioned is that each bishop was kind of autonomous and they all worked together. And so that led to a division called the Great Schism that happened around the year 1000. And you're right that Protestantism is protest against the medieval Roman Catholic Church. But let's put it this way. Protestants weren't creating a new religion. In everything that the Protestants did, they were going back to the Bible. It was a return to the Bible and not just a return to the Bible. It was a return to the faith of the early Christians. And that was the goal. Let's get back to true, original Christianity. Let's get back to the words of Jesus. Let's get back to the, the message of the gospel. And that is why Protestantism has, um, you know, really become uh, just a dominant force in the world today. And, and dominant's not a great term to use. I would just say it's a powerful and life-giving force in the world today because it is a return to the true message of Jesus, the true heart of what Christianity has always been about. 
Wow, thank you so much. That's very insightful. That's exactly what I was looking for. I'm really glad. Evan, I really encourage you, if you're up for it, read that book, From Jerusalem to Irian Jaya. Yes, yes, I wrote it down. Thank you so much. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye. Same to you. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, we've got about six minutes left. Let's go to our next caller, Dagon in Boulder. Hi, Dagon. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Thank you. What can I do for you? Hi. So I had kind of a two-part. Uh, first, I had a, um, a prayer request uh, for my father, who's not well right now. Um, okay. And also, uh, just if you could just uh, the second part is if you could just lead me into what I can do more um, uh, in terms of helping him. Uh, spiritually, um, uh, just to heal, have him heal faster um, with this condition. Okay. Well, yeah, let's pray for him first. Let's, could, I, could I ask his name? Is that okay? I'm sorry? Could I ask his name so we could pray for yeah, him? Yeah, his name is going to be uh, Rocky. Okay, Rocky. Let's pray for him right now. Heavenly Father, we pray for Rocky, and we ask, Lord, for his healing. We pray, Lord, that you would be with him, that you would touch his body, and you would remove sickness. And we pray that in Jesus' name, Lord, we also pray that you'd be with him, that he would sense your presence, Lord, that you would be with him, healing him and comfort him, comforting him with your presence as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. So your, your first question, or sorry, your question in response was just, is there something you can do to help him heal faster? You know, the yeah. one thing I would say is that healing is completely in the hand of God. When we ask for healing, we're coming to the most powerful, you know, being who exists, the one who holds all things together, the one who made our bodies and who knows exactly what's wrong and exactly what needs to be done. And we're asking him to do a miracle, uh, which means something out of the ordinary. And so if it happens, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of grace. It's an example of mercy. So that's what we're doing is we're coming and we're asking. And the nature of asking is that God can say no and he can also say yes. So we want to pray in faith. And faith essentially just means we believe that God can do it and we also believe that God will do exactly what is best for us and what is best for Rocky in this case. And so that would be my advice to you. Pray with the understanding that God is able that God cares, and that whether the answer is yes or no, that he sees all things and knows all things. I would encourage Rocky to be, um, I would encourage Rocky to be reading the scriptures, reading the Bible, and getting to know the Lord. Um, because whether God heals him or chooses to heal him or not, you know, that is going to be the most important thing for him to have that relationship, that developing relationship with God, because that is something which, you know, at, at some point in my life, when I come to the end of my life, my relationship with God is the one thing that's going to carry on for all of eternity. And so I want to keep building that and investing in it and uh, submitting, you know, surrendering my life to God. I'd say that's, that's the essence of what worship means is surrender. Okay. Do you think uh, there's a, an effect in um, how he lived his life in terms of how fast or if God will heal him or not? Um, it's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. Here's what I see through the Bible, um, is that I see that God's miracles, they're a form of grace. Grace is undeserved. And so I would say that, um, that God heals people who are sinners and people who are doing things that he doesn't like. Uh, he heals people who love him and who don't love him. And these are just acts of God's grace and mercy 
and I would say that they're undeserved and they can't be earned. So I would say that I wouldn't tell Rocky that he has to do something in order to earn this miracle or to deserve it or merit it in any way. But everything we do in response to God as far as how we live our lives, it, it has to be like, you know, submitting ourselves to him. Now, on the other hand, if if there's an issue where it's like, hey, you are, you know, let's say you're caught up in alcoholism or drugs or some destructive lifestyle. Well, then I would say in that case, yeah, absolutely. You know, the issue needs to be you need if you lived in a godlier way, then you probably wouldn't have as many physical problems as you do in those cases. But that doesn't apply to every illness out there. Right. Okay, so, thanks for putting that for me, Pastor. And thanks again. Thank you for uh, your time and uh, taking my prayer request. Yeah, my and, pleasure. Uh, God bless you. God bless you in what you do. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We've got one minute left. I want to take some time to pray. Would you please pray for with me for a couple in our church named Brian and Christy? They have a pregnancy, and um, I just want to pray for them. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up Brian and Christy to you. Thank you for their service to you and to the church here at Whitefields. And Lord, we pray for them in their pregnancy that you would bless and protect, keep that baby healthy and strong. Uh, Lord, we pray that the baby would come to full term and that it would be healthy and develop well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name's Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Love it if you join us this weekend for services both in person and online. Check out for more information, whitefieldschurch.com. Hope you have a great evening, and I will be with you again next week. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.